2,000 years before the birth of Jesus. 4,000 years before the birth of you. Abram was a man who lived in the city of Ur of the Chaldeans in the region of the Mesopotamia. For reasons of his own, God chose this man to be his own. And as far as we know from the Scriptures, there was no long introductory process in which God introduced himself and they got to know each other. There was no um, first a dream and then an appearance and then God fully showing up saying, Abraham, let me introduce myself to you. I'm your God. I made you. I made everything. Abraham, sit down. We're going to be getting together every night this month, and I'm going to lay out before you what you're going to do. Oh, I'm going to make you into this large nation. People for the rest of human history will know your name. Oh, I'm going to bless you, and you will be a blessing. Somebody gives you trouble, they got to deal with me. And the reason all of this is going to happen, Abraham, is because I want to bring my blessing to the world, and it will be through you and your family. So what do you say, Abraham? Are you a game for this? What do you think? No, there, there was no introduction, no like, hey, this is what I'm thinking. The very first thing that God said to Abraham was, go from your country, from your father, from your kindred, from your father's household to the land that I will show you. Wow. I mean, up to this point, Abraham has been worshiping the gods of his father, the, the gods of Mesopotamia. These are some of the actual idols from that region of that time that are in a museum. He worshiped idols that had eyes that could not see, ears that could not hear. They had mouths carved by human beings but could not speak. And then Abraham just sets all of that aside and now he, he belongs to the true and living God. How did he go from zero to a hundred? From no faith to complete trust, from being dead to God to being completely alive. I know, this, the, the skeptic and the cynic that's in each of us, we, we kind of think, well, you know, maybe people 4,000 years ago were just a little more naive than we are. We're a little more sophisticated. They're more easily persuaded by, you know, sights and sounds of the skies. Oh, there's a shooting star. Maybe, maybe God is telling me something. And, and you know, may, maybe that's what's going on. And yet, are we really that much more sophisticated have you been on the internet? Do you see what people believe? Okay. And, and, and Abraham was certainly as uh, informed as you and I about what madness is and delusions are. He'd seen that in people around him. Abraham knew just as well as you and I that it is an extremely unusual event to have God talk to you. And so after this voice, after this one conversation, he was not left questioning his sanity or his senses. 
but had complete and utter assurance that the God who has spoken to him is the only true God, and now he is all in. What we learn then from the Word of God and in its very nature is that it is alive and active. Luther described the Word of God as, it has feet and it runs after me. It has hands and it grabs hold of me. The reason that God's Word is, is animated and alive is that the Spirit of God Himself is using that Word to create what it says. And this is not unusual. You've flipped just 12 chapters before in the book of Genesis. You'll see the word of God saying, let there be light, and out of the darkness, light appears. You hear, uh, and, and the spirit of the Lord hovering over the earth, and there from the inorganic dust and grains of sand, the rocks and bits of earth. God said, let there be vegetation. And from the inorganic comes all of the organic. From the tiniest living cell to the floppiest fern that, that there is. God, over the water, says, let, there, let them teem with living creatures. And from the, the ichthyosaurus bones that you can go to the Sternberg Museum out in Hayes, Kansas and see, to, to the porpoise and the dolphins and all the fish of the sea, it all came to life. When God said, let, let the air be filled with birds and, and let the earth teem with life, everything came to be when God spoke it Life was engendered through that word by the Spirit. That's how God's word works. So it's, it's not unusual. It's not a mystifying how in the world could Abraham go from zero to 100 in faith. That's how God gives life. And we learn from the word of God that when faith is given, it is also active in pursuing, doing what God says. And God said to Abram, go. Now, as Abraham packed up everything and as they left, you have to realize just what an enormous change and radical thing that has been worked in his heart to go. Because you are leaving behind your country. For those of you who have traveled internationally, what's it like to be in a country where no one speaks English? And you've just, you know, thought to yourself, well, all I really need is not to say yes and no and where's the bathroom? You know, and, and there, here you are in this country and you understand nothing. See, in the going, there is an enormous leaving behind. When you leave behind your country, you're leaving behind your culture of, of the foods that you love. The, the songs that gladden your heart, the music that you love, all of the culture and, and the food, the music, the, the holidays, they don't give you Christmas and Easter off in, in Islamic countries. You know, everything that you hold dear and, and, and important in your country is no longer there. And the currencies in your pocket that have enriched you, they might not even honor that. His Chaldean coins might be worthless in Canaan. The exchange rate might be so high that he's impoverished. But not only leaving country, you leave your father's house. 
um, you leave your, your kindred. And with your kindred is your family name. We're Johnsons, you know, and there's lots of Johnsons here. And, and we've got a family uh, history. And, and we're, when you're part of this family, that means you're not the alien. You're not the immigrant. You're not the other. You're part of the in-group. Finally, leaving behind your father's house. This is where you are the heir. You're the son. You're the daughter. Your brother. You have an importance of being family that non-family members do not have. Abram, he leaves all of this behind. And, and leaving it behind, we also find that there is a great vulnerability in following God's word you're not just leaving, but now you are, anything could happen to you. As far as we know, Abraham did not have a police force with him. But he did have a lot of things to steal from his cattle, his sheep, his livestock, all of the servants and the equipment to take care of the, uh, the, all of his things. And it's also noted that Abraham, Abraham had a very beautiful wife in which he was quite afraid that, you know, some warlord or king might notice her and take her. And it was a well-founded fear. She was taken twice. So as he goes, how very brave of Abram and Sarai and all who went with Lot and the servants. How very courageous. Would you have been as courageous? Would you have been as brave just to pack everything up and and leave. Well, you know, I know kind of our personalities play into this too. You know, I mean, some people love roller coasters, right? You know, this is the brand new roller coaster at SeaWorld in Orlando. When we were there in January, it wasn't open yet, but it's open now. And my son Matthew's like, oh, we're going on that. And I said, oh, no, I'm not, you know. And, but, but some people are just like that. They're up for adrenaline rushes, you know. Let's do this. And, and some people are just, you know, they're into travel. You know, as soon as they get home from a big worldwide trip, they're like, planning the next one. You know, was that Abraham? Was he just an adrenaline junkie, just loved to travel? Well, obviously, we don't know. And it doesn't matter. Because when God gives his gift of faith, when he works his new life in us, it just doesn't matter what your personality is, what your preferences are. It doesn't matter your identity. It doesn't matter who you are because now you're his. You have a God, and now he's going somewhere. Now, I have a couple examples of just what this looks like in our lives. And the first example, many of you have heard it before, but some of you haven't, of just what it is to have a living God and when he speaks to us. And it happened several summers ago when we went to Tanzania. Now, you might remember I heard, hey, we're, we're sending a team to Tanzania. And I thought, well, that's great. You all have fun, you know. I'm not going. I don't like to do that kind of thing. So, y'all, and, and, and okay, and, and you're going. What? But I, you see, I, I get car sick. I, I get motion sick. Ah, that's going to be a problem. And, and I've got a limited amount of food that I like to eat. I'll starve, you know. And, and, then, and then I'll probably be taken captive, you know. I'll be ransomed. To what? I'll be ransomed, you know. And, and yeah, so I can't go. And so you know, I said, no, not going. 
except I have a God, the living God. And his word has hands. His word has feet. And he ran after me. And his word gives what is necessary. And so when we went to Tanzania, it was amazing to see God's word at work through his sacrament of baptism. Because this gentleman right here, he's, he's a local Lutheran. His name's Rupert. And he was writing down the names of the people that we baptized. And the Lord added to his family in the week that we were there 1,142 souls. Gathered them into the Lutheran church of Tanzania. We brought money. Land was purchased. They built a church within months. Hundreds of people came. There's now an Ascension Lutheran Church in Tanzania. There are hundreds and hundreds of even more people who have been gathered in the church because God is about his business of giving life to the dead through his son Jesus. Well, that, that's my story, but you all have a story too. Remember, it wasn't that long ago we all uh, prayed and, and asked God, well, you're not done with us, so what do you want us to do? And, and, and we all listened to God and his spirit led us. Well, we need to, to re renovate our facilities, get it ready for more people. Why, well, we need to expand our facilities over at Maple so we can do more ministry. And we all said, yes, Lord, lead us. And, and, and we all pledged the, the funds necessary for this. And do you remember the Commitment Sunday and I stood right here and we said, wow, you know, $4 million. We pledged this, you know. And I said, and unless something unusual happens, this is going to go forward. And uh, then the whole world shut down next month with COVID. <laughs> but it didn't matter. It, it just didn't matter because, well, God was doing his thing. And, and, and because of COVID, the, the workers who are out at Maple, well, they were hungry for work. They were ready for work. Our project in there came in under bid. All of our total projects that we took out a loan for, that loan is paid off. And we sit and we worship in a place, and we minister in a place that God says, I'm not done with you. And so the question is, what's next? Well, rather than thinking about all the great and wonderful things that God can do to us and through us, and he's going to do his thing with or without us, and that's, that's the thing about faith, is that you don't have to go with him. I said no. Lots of people say no to God. Jesus, on his way to Jerusalem, is weeping over the people because they would not be gathered. Though he was there, though he has done all of his miracles, he has preached all of his messages, but they would not. In the towns that he did most of his miracles in, Chorazin, Bethsaida, he, he, he called it, you think you will be lifted up to heaven? No, you're going down to Hades because you would not. Just because God is here and available and ready to give his gifts, we still can say no. I mean, think of Nicodemus with Jesus. He's like, ah, I just, I don't know if I can go there. And, 
And Jesus literally gives him the gospel. God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Our Lord and our Savior has given his life and the cross. And this word goes out to us, the hands grabbing hold, his feet running to us, giving what in the dead to life. So what is next for us? This is a question for you to be prayerfully asking of God, even right now. Lord, what what do you have for me? And then with the faith that he's giving, knowing that he's going to lead you in it. It doesn't matter of your personality. It doesn't matter. Even your no is something that he's working on. What's next for us as a congregation? I can, tell you, I can tell you what God has put on my heart for us, and that the, next, the very next thing we need to be doing is gathering and praying, praying for discernment, praying for the leading of his word into, where, where, what are you doing with us next? And so, just giving you a little heads up, you'll be hearing about opportunities to gather and pray. We do so because that's the faith God has given. We do so because Jesus is with us. He has redeemed us from death to life. And it is all as a gift. And so we give praise and glory to God. Amen.